So then they take the supplement and then we check their blood and their TSH is off the charts. Hi, I'm Mary Wong. And I'm Dr. Tanya Wild. We're wellness experts, fertility strategists, and moms who overcame infertility infusing science and all things natural. We are on a mission to boost your mood, your bod, and your inner mama spirit as you navigate this thing called life. From fertility to pregnancy and mamahood through menopause. Think of us as your own personal fertility squad as you make, grow, birth, and raise your baby. Fasten your seatbelts, lean lean in, in, and get ready to learn and be encouraged. This is my Fertology Podcast. So in our last episode, we talked all about the thyroid and the stages of life. It can go out of a balance. So check that out because you want to learn more about the symptoms of an underactive or overactive thyroid, how to treat it, when to treat it. And today we're covering some of the myths around supplementation and nutrition for the thyroid. But before we jump into that, we're going to review a little bit because one of the things that I hear commonly, I don't know if you do, Mary, in practice is that people think that Synthroid or levothyroxine is uh, is not natural and that desiccated thyroid medication is natural and more natural than Synthroid. Do you get that a lot? Yeah, I get that all the time, all the time. And I know we covered it um, in our last episode shoot. So you totally have to check that out because it's so important to distinguish the two, but um, you can give them a little brief summary. <laughs> so the brief summary of it is that they are both synthetic, but they're both bioidentical, which means they, that, you know, T4 from Synthroid identically matches the T4 we manufacture in our thyroid and desiccated thyroid has T3 and T4 and it, those T4, T3 hormones are bioidentical in that medication. And one may be better than the other medication for you as an individual, check out the episode to learn more about it. But just note that, you know, even T4, like if you're on it and you're trying to get off of it, don't be a hero. If you're doing better on it, stay on it because it may be the right thing for you and obviously get medical advice. Um, just need to know, I need you to know that it is quote unquote, just as natural. Um, yes. it's, 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 uh, they're both manufactured, but, uh, yeah. So I just don't want people to think they have to switch if they don't need to, to the desiccated thyroid. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing to add is that both Tanya and I, well, I had been on it and, um, if I may divulge, you're currently on a low dose. So, Correct. right. Like it doesn't matter how natural of a person you are. Sometimes like there's a time and place for everything. A hundred percent. If you have an underactive thyroid and you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis and you're pregnant, it's a good time to get on thyroid yes. medication. Yes. hundred percent. You don't want to have a miscarriage. So one of the things that um, people also often think is that they can treat their thyroid naturally with iodine. So for some people in the Western world, we are iodine deficient, and that can cause an underactive thyroid. On the contrary to that, you can also overexpose to iodine and cause an underactive thyroid. So iodine is a much needed mineral for thyroid hormone production, um, but you, you cannot use iodine as a replacement. In fact, if you take higher doses, which some supplements have as high as 12 milligrams, which is like, you know, a a ridiculously high level dose of iodine compared to the maximum recommended amount of 120 micrograms. 
um, for, you know, for prenatal uh, years and pregnancy and, and postpartum breastfeeding years, um, that's the maximum amount that a patient or a woman should really be taking. And so that's a humongous difference, 120 micrograms versus 12 milligrams. Wow. That's so yeah. different. Yeah. So it can, and I've had patients um, come in on those uh, supplements and their thyroid is underactive because of the supplement. They think that they're like self-diagnosing sometimes. Okay, that's where I was going to go. So they're self-medicating really. Yeah. Okay. So that perhaps they might have read that, you know, the combination of dry skin and hair thinning and constipation and metabolism issues, like feeling like they can't lose weight. And they think, oh, I have an underactive thyroid. My doctor says I'm okay, but this might help. And so then they take the supplement and then we check their blood and their TSH is off the charts, elevated. Right. And so then we get them off the supplement and then their thyroid stimulating hormone comes down and everything gets corrected. So and how long does it take for you to see that change? I would say six weeks. Oh, so actually that's quite fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Remove the, the, the issue and yeah, it comes down. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, um, bottom line is don't self-medicate, <laughs> right? Get testing, do the lab work and be certainly see a medical professional or health professional that is well-versed in this. Yes. And then another myth that, um, is in the literature, uh, around, um, food is that the cruciferous family of vegetables is goitrogenic or toxic to the thyroid. So uh, the cruciferous group of vegetables would be kale, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, that group of vegetables can compete for iodine uptake in the thyroid. Um, but in very small doses, like even up to two cups a day, it's not going to damage the thyroid. If you're concerned, you can cook the vegetables to deactivate that constituent and not be concerned because it's more concerning when people aren't eating enough vegetables. And what you can do is just kind of blend the vegetables with other types of vegetables. Again, if you're concerned, the research says that up to two cups is safe. So you don't want to take it out of your diet because those vegetables are also very helpful for egg quality and for estrogen metabolism and so many other benefits. Antioxidizing benefits it helps you yeah. keep regular for Pete's sakes too, right? And one <sighs> one of these days we're actually going to have the poop, scoop on poop. We're going to oh. do a deep dive on that with this amazing what is she called? She, uh, the butt. Um, <laughs> butt the butt doctor. Doc. Oh my gosh, it, it cracks me up. She's a registered uh, nurse who's retired and like she's oh, dedicated fun. her life to talking about the butt and how you should have a good, healthy poops. And, and yes, so we're going to talk so to her about that, but you know, back to this, like, so, you know, vegetables are good for that. Yeah. <laughs> Just a side note. <laughs> right. And then, and then another, I guess you could call it myth, but it's something that I've seen clinically. So the myth apparently is that gluten can be consumed. Okay. The myth is that gluten is bad for the thyroid. So the research shows that it's actually fine and that there's a big confusion around it. Uh, because women who have celiac disease have a much higher incidence of also developing Hashimoto's thyroiditis or Graves, so, or so a, a problem with the thyroid. And so I guess that research got kind of mixed up, or perhaps there's just not enough interest to really hone in and research, does gluten directly affect the thyroid in women with Hashimoto's thyroiditis? I've seen clinically, though, when we take 
um, gluten or re reduced flour in the diet that the antibodies come down. And personally, I took gluten out of my diet and my antibodies came down, but I don't know if it was the, it's could be multifactorial right. with other factors can affect uh, the antibodies from uh, being high and attacking the thyroid. So we can't, there's no causal effect hundred percent. We don't know if you take out gluten that you're going to correct your Hashimoto's thyroiditis. What we do know is a well-balanced nutritional regime is very helpful. So more, the Mediterranean style diet where like half the plate um, is vegetables and it can include some of those cruciferous vegetables I mentioned earlier. Um, you can include other, you know, foliage, green, green uh, leafy veggies like Swiss chard and spinach and uh, lettuce. And then, you know, a palm of protein to make sure you're getting sufficient um, protein is really key for the immune system and a thumb of fat, and then, you know, antioxidant rich berries and healthy carbohydrates. So instead of having a big bowl of pasta or white rice, and then maybe some meat protein, it's more of a balanced Mediterranean style diet. And that can apply to any culture. So even though we say the Mediterranean yes. diet doesn't have to be like, you know, limited to the Mediterranean style culture of food. Yeah, that's right. So it can be any food, any cultural food, and just looking at that mo uh, model of, you know, half vegetables, palm size protein, you said thumb, thumb size thumb fat, fat, and then a fist of healthy carbohydrates. Fist. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So a balanced plate. And, and that's also the premise of Chinese medicine when we talk about balance. And here's the thing. We live in a Western civilization. It's like we, we, we have this binary model, all or nothing. And in life and in balance, it's not that. It's like, you know, let's go into the gray zone and be comfortable with that. And, um, and But what that gray area means for one individual may be different for someone else. So some people will have less tolerance for gluten while others actually have more. Like right. I was clear, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm betcha I'm like really gluten intolerant, right? So I do some tests and it was like, oh, my body loves gluten. That's insane. <laughs> Maybe it's because like my Chinese background, like we all eat, we eat gluten all day long. <laughs> exactly. So right? the other thing too, is we should talk about that in a future episode, food sensitivity testing, the accuracy of yes. that, when to use it. Agreed. Agreed. We should totally do that. And we still need to do that other round testing. Um, Oh my gosh, I forget what it's called, where we were going to do the big test. People pay so much money for testing, right? Yes. And it can be big money, like, I don't know, 400, 500, 600, just to do those kinds of um, uh, sensitivity testing. The Dutch, oh, the Dutch the test, Dutch that's test. right. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we were going to do it and like as a science experiment for ourselves, and then we we're going right. to share it with you yes, guys. We still have to do that. We still have to do that. Sure. Anyway, okay, we're going to sidetrack, so, but that's what so we do. This is how we jumping roll. Jumping back, <laughs> yes, another myth, last myth we'll cover. We'll make this episode short and sweet unless you have more to add. Um, but is, is you can't lose weight if you have hypothyroidism. What we do know is you can obviously gain weight and metabolism definitely slows when you have an underactive thyroid and it's not treated, but when you treat the thyroid, you definitely can, it supports you to, to lose weight, but it's not just a matter of taking thyroid medication. It's also about what are you eating and how much quantity does matter. Absolutely. And then of course, other things in your life, like sleep, how well are you yes. sleeping? How, how well are you rested? How, yeah. how stressed are you? You know, all these other your factors. Hunger. 
will go up drastically if you're not sleeping enough because you have more ghrelin, the growling hormone, I call it, makes your stomach growl. Yes, yes, Um, ghrelin, ghrelin, yeah. It's messed up. And then leptin goes down if your sleep is affected. So you're looking at, you know, sleep and stress, like you're saying, your cortisol can go up, which can cause you to either want to binge or not eat and then overeat at the, you know, the unhealthy times, like too late at night when you could be sleeping. Um, and, and so, so many factors when it comes into weight, like looking at weight and metabolism. And we talked about iron before, but I'm going to refer back to that episode so you can mm-hmm. go listen to it more, but there is a very common picture of a low iron that can mimic an underactive thyroid. And if you treat the iron, person's metabolism definitely is impacted. Their energy goes up and they're more able to drop weight. So it's not just about underactive thyroids. It's like looking at the whole picture when it comes to weight and weight loss and metabolism. Awesome. Is there anything else that we need to cover for this episode? Do you think? I think this is good. Yeah, I think that 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 is good. I think we covered some really big, you know, myths and misconceptions and you know, the healthy way to eat so that we can uh, optimize for energy, but also for the thyroid. And when we optimize for energy and thyroid, we're also optimizing egg quality, not just for conception, but in our perimenopausal years. Yes. So we're going to cover all these things that much more. I mean, listen, we can, I think we have enough um, <laughs> topics that will keep us going till we're like a hundred years old. I know. Because- <laughs> Even when we're tiring, we're going to be podcasting here. <laughs> Because there's so much to learn and we all, you know, one of the things about success and progress and growth, it's to me, it's like, we need to learn something new every day. And this is one way you can learn, right? For yourself and for your health and for your life and for your kids and future kids, right? So thanks guys for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our episode. And so please send us some comments, like, share, subscribe, Give us a rating. We never ask for this, but like rate us. Tell us that we're doing awesome and that you want to hear us more and spread the word, guys. Okay. We'll see you guys real soon.